Hi, it's Dustin Lanier. Thanks for listening. Please find me on LinkedIn for original public sector operations content every week. And please reach out to me if I and my team of procurement professionals at Civic Initiatives can help you be a public procurement change agent. Hey, everybody. So I don't know if you knew, but there were going to be two panelists, and one got COVID and one had a family crisis. So you guys are going to be my panel with me. So please ask questions, raise hands, let's be interactive as we go. Let me start maybe with a raise of hands. Who has e-procurement and feels like you got it under control? Oh, maybe that was too much because you started to raise your hand and then you didn't raise your hand again. Who, who's got e-procurement today? Like a third. Who's acquiring it or planning to acquire it? A little less than that. Who's still trying to figure out if e-procurement is something that you should care about? There you go. There's some of my hands. Okay. Well, we'll try to answer some of those questions. So I'm a certified public procurement officer. I was with the state of Texas as a deputy CIO, and then I ran a specialized procurement group called the Council on Competitive Government. And today I have a group that works around the country, basically in support of procurement offices on how to be a more strategic asset. In that context, we've helped lead six plus state level procurement events for e-procurement. And then we also do work on fit gaps around how to help people assess whether their ERP actually solves their problem or not. Because if we don't know that, then, then we can't justify whether we go out for something new. So I tell you that not as a commercial, but as a context for the fact that we're pretty deep in this and I'm happy to answer questions. And again, stop me please if you have questions or raise hands. So I wanna talk about three fundamentals to making e-procurement and for the rest of the session, I'm gonna to refer to procurement automation because I'm not necessarily saying only the third party tools. It can be within your ERP stack. It can be in any number of ways. So how to make procurement automation projects be successful. First, really make sure that these kind of projects that we know why we're doing them. Like what are we getting out of these projects and being able to define the value of these projects so that we continue to have a North Star through these projects because depending on what e-procurement means to you and how you define it, and there I used e-procurement instead of procurement automation. But for that particular one, I meant to, because if you're going to buy in a third-party tool and plugging it in, it's really helpful to know why you are going to get a tool and what it's going to accomplish. Some of the projects that are full-suite e-procurement, those are long slogs in some cases, whereas there's some things you can stand up that go really quickly. So make sure you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Defining the target. So... How do we segment e-procurement into some chunks? I'm gonna give you a visualization for how to think about procurement automation in a way that creates ways to say, where am I? And then I have a different segmentation that I don't have in the slide deck, but I'll describe out loud on how we've gone to market for e-procurement in some cases. Because if you don't know like what you're gonna go get, then you're gonna confuse the vendor community, and then you're gonna get a lot of responses that will be apples and oranges. I mean, they don't, they're not going to compare. They're not going to be the same in terms of difficulty or time. And it just doesn't help you make a choice. And then finally, bigger projects, full suite e-procurement projects can be a long slog. And so how do you make sure that you, you've done your part of the responsibility to make these projects successful? And how do you keep the vendor aligned with you so that you're not in conflict as to whether or not these projects are being successful? So projects like this need to be business projects with a technology component and not the other way around. If we approach these projects as technology projects, then they will absolutely fulfill that. They will become technology projects. I really think we have to think about 
why we do these projects and what we intend to get out of them so that we can manage them. And then when the project starts bogging into reports on the testing and release cycles, that we remember why we did the project. Do we have procurement people in the room? Uh, okay, maybe 10. The rest of you guys are CFOs? Okay, so let's talk about the business value of procurement. I'll be your preacher, procurement people. So we want procurement to be more than purchasing. Purchasing is the function of receiving a requisition, doing the small form processing, three phone call bids, associate with a contract, the grind of purchasing. But the procurement function is all of the strategic elements that go around the purchasing function. We want people who know how to do system design and requirement elicitation and market analysis and helping people think about like, is this one project? Is it multiple projects? Are there multiple contractors? What are the goals and methods of measures of these projects? How do we really think about it from if we could create a process that a vendor could agree to participate with us, that their interests are aligned with our interests? That is not purchasing. That is a strategic function. But in order to get to procurement, we have to not have our people in that infinite purchasing grind. And I also have a speech about how to attract and retain talent in procurement shops. And the summary of that is we don't attract young people to procurement by having them do three phone call bids for fruit juice concentrate. So we don't think about what it means to attract young people into procurement because we're used to it being a particular shape. But we're not going to attract them unless we create the right kind of work. So business value. I want procurement to be a strategic partner for the lines of business. I want us to think about procurement as somebody that helps, not just bogs me at the end. So if we can automate some of these functions and make it to where the system does a lot of these things and the system creates governance and the systems create routing, then we can make procurement be a more strategic partner to business. We want procurement to be a strategic partner to our business community. So these tools allow us to be a modern business partner in the sense that we're creating opportunity for them to be able to have tools that maybe they don't otherwise have or to search for bids that they otherwise won't see. It's very intimidating to be a small and diverse vendor and deal with government. There was a state, we did an assessment of their diverse program and they were in an ERP stack, not in a e-procurement zone. So it was actually harder to join as a diverse vendor even though they were our target audience. And then protector of public confidence, a lot of these tools will include spend management, transparency type windows, the ability to see contracts, to see who signed up. So that's all business values, but then we want procurement to be more transformed. So one important way that we gain back more time in the purchasing shop to be a more strategic asset, to deliver on some of this stuff on the left, is we need to make the system actually reflect what we say the rules are. We need to understand our processes, have good intake forms, good output forms, good clarity of work. So a good procurement system will help take a lot of these processes and really embed them so that we're not walking around and doing it by hand. And then maximize the value of our people, making sure that, we're ex that the work that we're expecting for people to do is the best work that they can do. And then maximize the capability of the center. Your center procurement shop has to manage your master contract portfolio or else th there's not enough things that can be automated. So there are a lot of choices in e-procurement. It can be really overwhelming because there's lots of people and they've all got marketing material and it all sounds like a thing and there's a real analysis paralysis on what e-procurement is. So one way that I'm going to try to help put some clarity to that is if you're a carpenter and you walk into a wood shop and there's no workbench, 
then your first project is to build a workbench. You, we don't think about it after we have it, but we can't do any of the high level stuff unless we have the base taken care of. So I'm gonna talk procurement automation at a base level and then come up. So in this analogy of you walk in a, a workshop and there's no workbench and that's the first thing is to build one, I'm gonna differentiate between transactional procurement automation and transformational procurement automation. Now that's not saying that if you don't have some of these transactional pieces that having them wouldn't be transformational, but to me, what I'm gonna describe on the bottom parts of these slides, I think is the absolute minimum that you need to have to have any chance of having a strategic procurement shop. And then above that is, is optimizing into procurement being a strategic asset. So the absolute core of procurement automation is the rec to check. There's an ability to initiate a requisition. It has to route through individuals who are gonna decide, maybe there's some specific governance rules, it has approvals. We associate that spend with a contract. I'm not talking about sourcing yet. I'm just talking about baseline requisitions. PO, encumber, receive pay. We all have that in some form or fashion. I hope that we all have that in some form or fashion. That's the minimum expectation of ERP in procurement automation. Vendors are gonna have different definitions on this. I'm trying to do definitions that I think comprise the core of the market. So the bottom line is the requisition flow. Doesn't necessarily involve a sourcing event. Source to contract is if the requisition comes through and it needs a sourcing events. It can be three phone call bids, it can be quick bids, it can be ITBs, which is invitation to bid, it can be RFPs, which is best value solicitation, it can be bidding into an existing vendor pool that you have where you're doing SOW kind of small form negotiations. It can be requests for qualifications, et cetera. So every sourcing event has a requisition. Not every requisition has a sourcing event. So a square is a rectangle, a rectangle is not a square, right? They nest. Not every requisition has a sourcing event, but when we need a sourcing event, then we have to create the bid, we have to hopefully potentially use some sort of a document library. A lot of the e-procurement tools will have an ability to, to say, hey, end user, you only do the SOW. Don't do the terms, that, don't mess with the terms and conditions, don't mess with the rest, right? So in a document library situation for e-procurement, the RFP will be created out of a stack. And that makes bids go faster because then people are only working on the part they're supposed to. And it means your lawyers will let bids go faster because they're not afraid somebody's just taking a bid from 2018 and doing a search and replace for 2022. A, a good sourcing tool will include an ability to have that document library. And then the posting experience to be able to say, we're gonna post it online. We can do addendums online. We can do answer questions online. For the vendors, they can then associate it with a spend code to say, I'm this kind of person, I want to be able to see this kind of bid. So then contract management, I would say two or three years ago, the contract management tools in e-procurement were pretty lackluster. They were basically just a contract file. Now I think, well, I want to have a central place where I can store the information that we got out of this contract. I want to decompose it into milestones, into checkpoints into decisions on if we renew this contract or not. I want ticklers. I want it so that if there's a contract event that we record it in the contract management tool so that we're creating a basis for when we gave instruction and change. So to me, this is the minimum. Now the reason that you would use an, a third party tool, even if you have ERP for source to contract is 
It's very friendly to use. It touches the vendor community, so it needs to be more robust. It needs to have more robust capacity for that coding. It needs to be just kinder. And ERP, for whatever other adjective you would choose to use to describe ERP, it generally isn't kind. Especially during COVID, this went like crazy. Tons of people went out and finally did the source to contract because they couldn't receive paper bids anymore. So they needed a way to automate that. So that's baseline. So for the more transformative part of it, then there are a lot of tools within e-procurement, especially when we start working towards full suite e-procurement. You know, full suite e-procurement is gonna say, I help with workflow. I help make sure that the stuff's coming in, that you know how it's allocated across the buyers, who's actually got work, who's busy, what's the timeline it's gonna take to do it. Being able to then employ some prerequisition tools for your departments, depending on how you're set up, you may have a lot of the procurement activity, actually the work and the planning activity happen in departments. So it'd be great if they had prerequisition tools to be doing some of their planning so that when they're done, they click a button and it comes to procurement, right? They know that they need to fill out a $250,000 worksheet for any kind of bigger thing. Employ that into the planning tool. So having prerequisition tools, then it allows some visibility that stuff is coming. It allows you to be able to do um, dashboards on spend and really drive into data-driven decision-making. It's basically a dashboard and a tool set for procurement to be able to plan and be able to execute. And then I think the most, the, a critical part of procurement automation is automating the master contract portfolio. Every time that our procurement shop can create a master contract that can then be expressed through a catalog, that then it extends self-service to our departments. It already embeds the, the decision-making and it's like a whole other buyer, right? They don't have to talk to central procurement because it's there, it's authorized, I can go, I can do. So if we change our mindset by taking that work and not just saying, oh, it's the fifth time I've done a phone call bid for catering services, this week, and I've done 60 of them this month, maybe I should have in place a master services contract for catering services where I can negotiate a particular set price. It's the same vendors every time. I can allow new ones to come on. And then think moving that mentality from the purchasing transaction to establishing this master contract set, then if I can set that up and automate that so that any of the end users can see a catalog in which they can purchase baseline catering services and move on and be done, that's a whole person that you got back for procurement. So this is to me the core of e-procurement. Emerging tech, you know, I've had phone calls about like smart contracts and blockchain contracts where smart contracts is trying to set up and say, we'll program out uh, the set of actions that happen so that when something is fulfilled, a payment is immediately triggered within a smart contract for the purpose of accelerating things like inventory, or inventory replenishments or things. So there's all kinds of weird complex stuff that's coming that's gonna to try to break this paradigm, but this is something that I've found to be a good way to explain. Mm -hmm.